wanted to show you some pictures of how Typhoon Haiyan has devastated three-fourths of the Philippines. The one on the top part, the topmost and the southmost, were not devastated at all. And that's where we live, in the top part. We thank God for that. But then the rest of the Philippines, over 250 islands, Ran, were rampaged by Typhoon Haiyan, and this was about eight days ago, nine days ago. Right now, there are two million people who lost all their homes. In those islands, we have eight churches that we started. We've always got in touch with one of our pastors, and I'll show you a picture of him a little later on. But uh, this is how typhoons or hurricanes strike the Philippines. Every year, we have 20, and that's the 24th already, and they're thinking of three or four more before the year ends. The next picture here would be a subdivision of full of houses. After that typhoon high and rampaged it, they're all gone. The next picture would be a mother and, a ch and children looking for their dad. And we just heard news of last night, local news in the Philippines, that there are at least 70 children who have been left orphans, doesn't know where their parents are at this time. And our president in the Philippines is, fl are flying, is flying them from Tacloban to Manila to be sent to the orphanages. But then our orphanages are full of kids already. And, you know, it surprised me when this morning Christine, my wife, came to me, you know, after our prayer. And she said, you know what? I think I wanted to adopt a boy. I said, praise God, let's get three or four. <laughs> so we can outnumber them, you know, boys rule, you know. But... <laughs> But that's the situation right now in the Philippines, and it's getting worse and worse. The next picture here, you'd see a, a family that lost their parents. They're scavenging for food because food is, is so difficult to be brought into all the 250 islands. We've got a, 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 so much food right now, but the next thing is to mobilize it to be sent throughout the 250 islands in the Philippines. The next picture will be that place where our pastor, his house, and his church uh, used to stand. It's all devastated. And that's right in Tacloban. The next and last picture will be his picture, Pastor Tito Arib. And that's right here, right there in the middle, wearing a black shirt. And he, he uh, just asked to, to borrow a phone so that he can take a picture of that, so he can send it to me. But he's looking for the seven more pastors that we have uh, trained to be church planters in that area that has never been found yet. Be in prayer, because what we're planning to do, especially this Christmas, is to raise funds to rebuild these churches, but not really the big, church, big churches already, but the, just the makeshift tents so that people will have a shelter into, and these pastors could preach the Word of God every day to them. You see, after they uh, have food and water, they'll be looking for hope, and we all know that the hope is in Jesus Christ. The cults and the Islam are on the move right now as we speak to gather these people and to teach them their religion. And, uh, you know, these people will be grasping for hope. And we're praying that we can raise enough funds to be sent to Bima so that we'll have enough funds to be sent to the Philippines to build makeshift tents so we can gather people so that they can live there temporarily for a few weeks and then preach them the gospel. We see a, a, a bad happening in the Philippines. But you know what? I see God's sovereignty in this. I see God in control over all of these. And we know that we have that hope in Jesus Christ that these people need to know. 
So we'll a we're asking for your prayers as we continue to reach, especially as we go back to the Philippines and visit these areas. In about four weeks here, we'll fly back to the Philippines. Be in much prayer for the Tika family. When we started the church five years ago in the Philippines, God had just brought to our hearts a church that will be functional, operational, seven days a week. No, none of my siblings or, or, or parents or, or, or cousins taught me how to do this, but just that, that passion and that call for a church to be open seven days a week. And I'll show you first uh, the pictures of my grand, grandparents. The next slide here, you'll see Eriberto and Claudia, and they're both my grandparents who got saved by reading a Gideon's Bible back in the 40s. They both were called to pastor that church, First Baptist Church in Tanay, which is this, this next slide Tanai First Baptist Church back in the early 60s. And from their family, I'll show you a simple family tree of our family. We're born eight children, Eriberto and Claudia. Eight children, Pio, right in the middle, will be my dad. And all the, the, the folks on the red under them are their husbands or wives and their children, including myself. And we're on to the fourth generation right now, reaching the Philippine Islands for Christ. But when we were praying for a church, God had just brought a deep burden in our hearts for a church that will be open every single day. I almost called it church seven days a week. And, you know, my wife uh, reminded me, uh, you've got to put the name Baptist there. So I, we named it the uh, Family Life Baptist Church. And it's open seven days a week. In the morning, we, 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 because we are in a, in a university situation, we have 35,000 students studying in the university. And we've got people all over the place. We rented a small place, a small apartment in the main street, and we serve free coffee at 6 o'clock in the morning for those who jog and walk. And, you know, unlike here in the United States, in the Philippines, brewed coffee is classy coffee. So we've set up tables and chairs and have, you know, coffee brewing out there, and you get that sweet smell aroma, people will be drawn into it. What's good with coffee is that it's hot. You don't drink it immediately, so that it's time for me to converse with them and get to know them, and at the end of our conversation, either I lead them to the Lord or just pray for their problem, and I meet every day. I meet people, after, and I will show you pictures later, and at 8 o'clock, we have a small room that we've turned out into a study room. We put together eight computers so that students would come to study for free because they don't have computers and internet in their homes. So that the church has a computer, has eight computers and internet connection so that students, after students, would come and study there and also do their printing jobs for free. But because we have an average of 50 students every day, I made a deal with the students who were waiting. I said, you mind if we study the Word of God, kind of a Sunday school time together before you use the computer? And they all agreed to it so that we made a curriculum every single day of kind of a Sunday school every day from preschool, elementary, high school, college. We've got curriculums all over the place, and we'll show you pictures later. And at the end of the day, at 5 o'clock, when they all go home, we set up chairs outside the church by the main street on our side and on the other side because we have worship at 7 o'clock in the evening every single night. And I tried to preach every night, every night at 7. I tried to preach for a year, and I almost died. <laughs> so I had to train 10 men who were not, you know, not professional preachers, not trained, but just discipled by me. Every day we see each other, and they preach every day. So even if we had 10 days in a week, we can cover them all. <laughs> I only take care of the Sunday morning preaching. And you may ask me, why do you do that, Brother Tika? 
Well, at 6 o'clock in the evening, Catholic churches, two big uh, uh, Catholic churches around our, our community, ring their bells, and, the, you know, people go to church. And at 7 o'clock when they end their mass, all these folks will be walking by, driving by in front of the main street of our church. They'll be hearing me preach the Word of God. And I've got cars outside. Also, I, I went to one, and I, I said, thank you so much for coming to, to, to tonight. And uh, he said, this reminds me of the drive-in theater. I said, uh, church, dr drive-in church. And at the end of the day, Christine and myself will be tired physically, but our spirits are rejoicing, knowing that we've led several to the Lord and more to come the following day, seven days a week. And you may be asking me, Brother Chica, I don't think Fellowship Baptist Church can do that. You know, can you imagine, you know, serving free coffee outside or having a study room here? You don't need that because every house has a brewer and, and a computer. And can you imagine Pastor Tony or Pastor Joe preaching of the, on Winchester Pike? You'll get 911 calls. <laughs> but what we've done, because we, we are in a situation that is so conducive to that, we, we said, why not? Why not? And when I go back to the scriptures, which I would like to lead to your attention tonight, Acts chapter 2, just the two verses here. And after this, we're, we're going to sing our final song and show you those pictures, and we're done. Acts chapter 2, just the final verses of, of, of the second book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 46 and 47. The Bible tells us that every day they met, and this was after they had the baptism of over 2,000 people, a 3,000 people in verse 41. And why they had that is because they preached the gospel. You know, Peter leading the group to preaching the word of God. Because people around that place in Jerusalem thought, I mean, how can these men speak our language? About 17. 17 nations in Acts chapter 2, verses 9, 10, and 11 thought, how can they, they speak our language? They're simple people, uneducated Galileans. They must be drunk. And that's when Peter stood up and he explained what was happening. He continued to preach. And he said in verse 36 of Acts chapter 2, this Jesus whom you've crucified has God made both Lord and Christ. They're all convicted in their hearts and they said, what do we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you, over 3,000 were baptized. In verse 41, they continued steadfastly. In verse 42, into the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer every single day. And in verses 46 and 47, here's what we can see. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and signalness of hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Let's bow for prayer. Our Father, we commit to you this time. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you've given us, your disciples, an opportunity to reach our own world for you. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts as we continue to listen to your word. I pray that you would humble me behind your presence. We will praise your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I said, is it possible that the Lord could add to the church daily such as should be saved? So that from now on, when I say church seven days a week, I mean church, not the location, but the living body of Christ. 
Not the building, but the body of Christ. Not the monument, but the mobile body of Christ. Brother Tika, who are you who are you pertaining to? I'm pertaining to what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, when he says, Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, and you've been bought with a price? Therefore, glorify God in your body, which is God, and it's God's and not yours. So that tells me that wherever my body is, since I have been a born-again believer, child of God, follower of Christ, there is the church. This is not the church. This is just the building. Jesus Christ is coming to take the church, and it's so embarrassing if he's coming to take the building with him, isn't it? In the Philippines, there is a cult called Iglesia Ni Cristo, and they believe that the church mentioned in the Bible is the building, so that they, it's all nice and beautiful. But you know what? What can that do to golden streets and pearly gates in, the, in heaven? God doesn't need earthly things. God needs you and me. So that we are a church. So, and whenever I mention church, it will pertain to you and to me, the living body of Christ. How difficult has it been to invite people to church anymore? I mean, we're going to have a pageant. It takes a lot of time, a lot of practice and every, everything. And you do this every year. And you get to invite a lot of people. But how is it difficult now to invite people to a regular service anymore? It's been difficult. The three reasons. Number one, they're busy, of course. Number two, they're busy. What's the third reason again? Busy. Yeah. So my point in saying this is this. Why wait to invite people to church to come on Sunday when you can invite them to Christ wherever you are as a church? The Bible says even Jesus speaking, let your light so shine before men, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, that they may not come to your church, that they may hear you preach, no, but it says that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father, which is in heaven. So that church, C-H-U-R-C-H, which I'd like to share with you tonight, is an acronym of what it is to become church. Living body of Christ, seven days a week. Not the location, but the living body of Christ. And we'll show you those, that slide. C-H-U-R-C-H. Letter C here. We'll, we'll stand for, there it is, communication of the gospel. Everybody say that, please. As living, the living body of Christ, that's the first thing that we all need to do. Can you click that one more time, please, Brother Josh? Thank you. Communication of the gospel, whenever or however, by word or by work, everything we do must be, the good news must be seen in and through us as we communicate the gospel to people around us every single day. Letter H, the next uh, letter for, for that word church will be humility. Everybody say that, please. Humility. One more, one more slide. One more click. Thank you. Humility is not humiliation. The Bible tells us that we are all called to humility. Let this mind be in you, Philippians chapter 2, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself 
became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. But in verse 10 of Philippians chapter 2, we all see that after he became humble, that every knee should bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the Bible tells us, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. As church, that should be our main calling to be humble. Give way to people. Next letter here will be letter U, usefulness. Everybody say that, please. Thank you. One more click, please. Thank you. Usefulness, using whatever you have. As a body of Christ, we are all called to have a particular portion in this body. And whether you're the head, the neck, the fingers, or the toes, we are all important and unique. And we have to be useful wherever God has placed us. And time constrains me to say that whenever you're having a pageant like this, you know, there's so much parts in it. But every part is important. I just told the two gentlemen there playing piano and, and drum. When I came back there, I said, well, this, this is where the action is. We don't see them, but they're an important part of the worship service. Amen? It doesn't matter if you don't, you're not seen. You're always seen by God. Letter R would be that next letter, rooted in the word. Everybody say it, please. Rooted in the word. And to, to, to take roots in the word, we've got to have that relevance of the word of God in our lives. As church, we're all called to be rooted in this word. Number five, the next letter of church, C-H-U-R-C, would be confess to God and others. Everybody say it, please. Confess to God and others. That's the most difficult thing to, to say, to do, to say, I'm sorry. But we're all called to confess to God and others. First John chapter 4 says, how can we say we love God who we don't see? We hate our brother who we see. As church, we have to know how to say, I'm sorry. Finally, letter H tonight would, would, would mean help a need. Everybody say it, please. Helping a need with whatever you have. Blessings are responsibility. If we do these as church, these six letters, go to the next slide, please, Brother Josh. Thank you. One more click. One more. One more. Thank you. If our mission is to communicate the gospel, you know, the vision will be, what will be the, the outcome, everybody say it. Next click, please. Go. If we are humble, what will happen? If we are useful, what will take place? If we are committed, uh, rooted in the word, if we are committed to Christ, uh, uh, confess to God and others, committed to Christ. And if we help a need, we live a holy life. So my question is this, and I'm going to call my wife to sing this final song tonight. Is church seven days a week possible in Columbus, Ohio? It will have to take, it will, it will take you and me to be intentional, living body of Christ seven days a week. Instead of us coming to church, we will become church. And tonight as we close in prayer, Pastor Tony will send out at least 200 churches throughout Columbus and surrounding areas. Can you imagine the impact of what this will do? You'll be inviting people to Christ all over the, this area, wherever you are. 
so that as we become church seven days a week, and we'll show you pictures of that literal church seven days a week right now, but you don't have to do that here because it doesn't call for you to do it. We can do it in the Philippines because of our situation, but we can become church seven days a week. And we'll show you these pictures now as we sing our final song. And please don't be surprised. I don't know if you know the boxer, Filipino boxer, Manny Pacquiao. You familiar with? Okay. Well, he's going to fight his final fight on Sunday. It'll be Saturday night here in the United States. Manny Pacquiao is the most popular boxer in the Philippines. And for 12 times since five years ago, we've turned out a ministry from, you know, he doesn't know me, you know, but we just do this. On Sunday morning, we don't cancel services. We watch his fight at 1130. But we open the church at 9 o'clock. And guess what I do for two hours? I preach. And you've got all these men coming to church for the first time, about 500 men on time to church. <laughs> to hear me preach? Not really. To watch Manny Pacquiao fight. But before he fights... I preach for about two hours. We have free lunch, free haircuts, and you'll see it here. We've won so many to the Lord. And please pray for him. Manny Pacquiao came to the Lord last year in salvation. In February, he surrendered to preach, and he asked 15 pastors in the Philippines, including my dad, to commission him to preach. We were in that big coliseum of 30,000 people. And these 15 pastors commissioned him to preach in February. In March, the following month, he lost his fight to Marquez. And a lot of Filipinos are angry about this newfound faith. But you know what he said? Even if I beat Rios this Sunday, or I get beaten by Rios, the name of God will still be praised. But be in prayer. It would be nice to beat Rios. You know. 